Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio, Dispatches from the Verge. Today, David Morrison and I jump into part six of the Pathways to Present series about centering prayer. Um, but before we get into that, thank you to Danny West. He does all the editing and sound engineering. Thank you to Jacob Nettie at Monk Drums. That's what you hear in the background. Uh, if you want to learn more about Desert Rain Community, theruined.com is the place to go. If you want to find other episodes of either Pathways to Presence or any of our other podcasts, drcrpod.com is the place to go. Dreamwalkerway.com is the place to go to pick up David's book, Desolate Beauty, The Book of Light and Shadow. Uh, you can also go to youtube.com and find the American Sign Language version of the book. Uh, if you enjoy what you're hearing, please tell a friend. Word of mouth and social media really helps us. We appreciate you. And let's get into it. Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio. Dispatches from the Verge. Desert Rain. Desert Rain. Doing a podcast. That was horrible. Sorry. Um, David Morrison. <laughs> Mr. Masson. Or as they call you at the cardiologist's office. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> Mr. Manson. I've So I've gotten a couple of people that have texted me about the story I shared, whatever, two or three weeks ago. So I went to the, our buddy, Dr. Turbay. We have the same cardiologist. Greatest cardiologist in all of uh, El Paso and southern New Mexico. He gave me good news, says I have a good, clean bill of health. And then he immediately says, uh, very matter-of-factly, your last name's Mason? I said, yes, sir. He's like, and you grew your beard out like that? And then I realized where he was going with it. I was like, yeah. And your nurse calls me Manson. And he kind of chuckles to himself like, this is the most clever thing ever fucking said to a patient. You could have said, you know, there are many things I could do with the name Turbay. <laughs> Doctor. But I won't. <laughs> Doctor. Um, and then he, he uh, also thought it was clever to warn me to not go to California. <laughs> Shingao. Um, welcome back. Yeah. You were on retreat last weekend in Colorado Springs? That is correct. You went and visited some, was it Benedictine monks? Yeah, nuns? they were nuns. Oh, yeah, me, Benedictine sisters who run a retreat center. Outside of Colorado Springs, Bennett, it's either, I think it's Bennett Hill. Nice. But they probably get called Benny Hill all the time. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> not not to be confused. How was that? It was good. It was yeah. good to reconnect with alumni from the Living School, a couple Canadians, Coloradian, and a, and a New Mexican. Former El Pasoan. Oh, yeah, yeah. New Mexicans who are now in Houston. All, so, all up and down the Rocky Mountains. And then me from s the armpit of New Mexico. Sup. <laughs> Southern Sup. New Mexico. Um, well, welcome back from that. Thank you. Uh, so today we are on part six of the Pathways to Present series, Open Mind, Open Heart by Thomas Keating. Um we're recording this June 9th, so 6-9-2023, and we are releasing it June 27th, last Tuesday of the month. And um, part of this series, we're just, 
we're using the book as a roadmap to discussion. Is that yeah. a good description of Pretty it? Pretty much. And this week's uh, chapter is called The Ordinary Kinds of Thoughts. Yeah. Basically looks at, uh, as you're trying to jump into contemplative prayer, centering prayer, um, you know, sometimes when people think about this kind of stuff, they think about uh, stopping all thoughts. Is yeah, that, clearing right? your mind, Clear, emptying yeah, your mind completely. Your mind. Um, which isn't really possible. Uh, thoughts are going to come as you as you sit in silence. And any any you know any practice. Yeah, you know, we're, we're talking about centering prayer, but any practice you engage, um, I think people because there's that expectation in the world, people get frustrated. Um, yeah, it's a. I think it's a misunderstanding, and and even if I can see some, particularly Westerners, talking about their guru, maybe, mm. and and my guru, he can empty his thoughts for hours, and so at that moment it becomes a spiritual competitiveness mm. and becomes spiritual materialism, which means you're congratulations, you're still an asshole. Well, it's and funny so too. It, it doesn't. It doesn't accomplish union with God or even anything else. When he even talks about uh, the competitiveness being detrimental in childhood. So it's funny how you yeah, bring up exactly. this idea of spiritual competitive competitiveness in adulthood. Yeah. One, one, uh, one quote I thought I would use to sort of jump us off. Cause it, I think it sort of wraps up this, this chapter or not wraps it up, but, but sort of puts it in perspective in one sentence so he's using this idea of a river with boats on it and um, yeah. you can either focus on the boats or come back to your sacred word. And as we talk about the sacred word or mention it during the discussion, you can go back to part six, which was last month's episode um, where we do a discussion about that. And the sentence says, you must keep turning your attention from what is on the surface of the river to the river itself from the particular to the general, from yeah. forms to the formless, from images to the imageless. Returning to the sacred word is a way of renewing your intention to seek God's inward presence and faith. And I just thought that was sort of a, a good, quick overview of this chapter. Yeah, that was one of my highlights. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, so maybe, maybe uh, with that quote, Starting us off, if you can sort of give us your experience or your your sort of uh, yeah. how you've wrestled with thoughts in different seasons as you've evolved your centering prayer practice. Yeah, I was a yeah. So I wish I had guidance like this when I was a teenager. Mm. And uh, you know, and, and he has another chapter called "The Unloading of the Unconscious." So so it's, it's very similar. So as you begin to rest in the presence of God as you want to rest in silence, give yourself to silence. Um, thoughts thoughts will flow and, and your attachments and emotional entanglements, all that stuff's going to come to the top and it can be very overwhelming at the beginning, uh, almost insurmountable. And, mm. and it was for me, yeah. I th uh, you know, being... 16, 15 years old, particularly sexual energy, sexual thoughts, 
So then, and then, so combine that with me having a hyper scrupulous conscious as well, mm. a hyper religious conscious. Yeah. So anything sexual or bodily was evil. Uh, I had that kind of dualism going on. So I naturally thought, well, because I have sexual thoughts uh, as a 15 year old, well, I'm demon possessed. It's a demon doing this and would go into despair, you know, and, and, you know, and now I can laugh at it, but yeah, at 15, but it wasn't then, funny. Yeah. yeah. Very serious. Yeah. It's, it's very much like a toddler when the parent or a, to- or a baby, when, when the parent leaves the room in that mm. baby's world, that parent is gone. Mm-hmm. What happened? Oh my God. There's no concept of the next room. Yeah. Uh, and so, and you know, and we do that with death as well, right? Uh, they're gone. They've passed. Uh, you know, but in, in a lot of ways, yeah, there's, they might've gone to the next room and. Yeah. Just we, the we, next adventure. But there's a process that has to happen in between to real, to come to the realization that there is a next room. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Cause in the, in the moment, because that feeling is so real. Yeah. That, so that, you know, being demon possessed as example, that's the truth. Right. Because th- the greater evolution hasn't come, come to pass. Yeah. And so, yeah, so it would have been very easy at 15, 16 years old to just, yeah, maybe I better not pray then. Mm. I'll stop praying. But instead, I pushed through with the, with the force of my own will kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, and so I don't recommend that necessarily. Uh, I don't think that's all yeah. that helpful. But I, I mean, mean, there's a little bit of, yeah, yeah you know, stick, some, stick with it. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's so much willpower, but just... Doing it for the sake of doing it in some instances. Yeah. Like he mentions, build up a reservoir of silence in your life, mm-hmm. you know. So, so yeah. So, there did come a point where those constant thoughts uh, of all sorts, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. But disturbing thoughts, too, would also come yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. If you, if you sit in silence. syndrome kinds of thoughts. <laughs> yeah. If you sit in silence long enough, some weird stuff's yeah, going to yeah. come up. So, sure. all, so the, yeah. So, it doesn't matter what, uh, what they are. Um, they're just thoughts. And once you realize they're just thoughts, uh, then the, the power that they have over you mm-hmm. begins to be disengaged and you just, but that, but the, it is a, uh, it can be a painful process. Yeah. And then your, yeah. Then your childhood, uh, which he covers in another chapter. I don't know if we'll cover it or not. We'll, we may be able to combine both. Yeah. Yeah. We'll figure here. it out. We'll see. We're going to do some planning. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so so your uh, things that you've repressed from childhood, rejections, emotional uh, disturbances and entanglements, they begin to surface as well when you do silence. And that can be a very daunting experience for you. Um, and so, yeah. And, and one of the things, we've talked about it on previous uh episodes so i won't go into it but i think one of the things that kind of going back to this idea of like stick with itness or or just the practice for the sake of practice i I think that's we've talked about like doing working up to the 20 or 30 minutes so not trying to start centering prayer you know maybe start at five minutes or whatever um or sitting just sitting in silence for a couple minutes and 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 using that as as part of this um building of the reservoir. You don't have to build the reservoir yeah. overnight. It could take a year, two years, five years, you know, who know? we don't, 
it's not really on our time yeah. frame, but this idea of sticking, you know, sticking with it. I know um, Keating mentions it multiple times about the same time every day. Yeah. There's some important, uh, he expresses some importance through that. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't think, because I, I do think there's times if you're sitting for 30 minutes and you're just so overwhelmed that sometimes it's okay to call it quits after 15. Yeah, go for a walk. Yeah, go <laughs> you know? go eat something. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't have to be there are times to walk away. Yeah. But if you if you catch yourself walking away four times out of yeah. 8 or 9 or 10, then it's probably like okay. Yeah, pat yourself on the back and say here, drink a drink a glass of water, dear. <laughs> say <laughs> that to get, yourself. Get hydrated. Go have a cookie. Um, yeah. One of the things that I thought was interesting so he, he compares these thoughts and sort of lays them out as internal noise right. and compares them to external noise. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah he, he, and one of the things that came to mind for me was actual external noise. Yeah. When yeah. You're, you're trying to meditate or, you know, do centering prayer, contemplative stuff. And... For me, I remember there was a time where it was extremely discouraging mm-hmm. yeah. with external noise um, versus now I'm pretty good with external noise. I, I can actually sort of, I don't know if it's zone it out or whatever, you know, be focused on what, you know, the prayer at the time. But I'm, I'm interested sort of your, your wrestling with external noise throughout yeah. the, throughout the years. Cause we live in a relatively quiet place, but you haven't always lived out here right, during right. your external yeah. prayer or um, during your centering prayer time. I haven't always lived out here. So there's been times where I've meditated in yeah, you know, busy, in busy cities and stuff like Philadelphia. that. Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. so I'm interested in your, your perspective on that over. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that. It's interesting that. Yeah. So again, in my early years, external noises were uh, extremely offensive mm. and disruptive to me, uh, you know, you're trying to get holy and you're trying to pray the rosary. <laughs> trying to trying be with to, Jesus. I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to, you know, you're, uh, you're, you're disrupting my sacred space. <laughs> you're wrestling in my sacred space. Stop, uh, stop screwing it up, man. And so, and especially, uh, for, and even today, it's probably one of the most, maybe it's my hearing, but one of the most irritating noises to me is the, uh, the rumbling, the low rumbling of a bass on a on a on a car stereo as they drive mm. by. God damn, I hate that sound. Uh, you know, <laughs> that that noise. Yeah, yeah. God, it just would drive me crazy when I was young. Um, but now I've noticed that that those external sounds can actually become fuel for the silence. It's hard to explain. Yeah, but there's uh, when I'm in a a stressful, noisy situation, it drives me in, internally. So I may be functioning on the outside on one plane, mm. but internally it makes me go deeper into that well mm. of silence that's been built up over the years. Uh, and it becomes actually very, uh, can be, not every time, but it can be very much uh, 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 helpful in, in giving myself to the presence of God. Yeah. Um, 
that makes any sense. Well, and I think that's part of the practice. Yeah. You're not gonna, that's another thing. You're not going to get there overnight. Yeah, I guess the practice starts doing you. It mm-hmm. starts practicing you. Mm-hmm. And so I think that might be an example. Well, I'm that. interested. I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to take liberties with this Alan Watts quote. But I, it was it was significant for me with the first time I heard it, dealing with this idea of, of noise. But uh, And he uses the word meditate. I'm going to use the word centering prayer. Yeah. If you can't... Uh, Actually, I'm going to use contemplative prayer. If you if you can't participate in contemplative prayer in a boiler room, you can't participate in contemplative prayer. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm interested. You're. I mean, it's surprising Alan Watts would deal in dualisms like that. <laughs> for one, well, it might be an early quote of his. There's no. Date yeah, on it's it. probably his early his <laughs> early no, stuff. There's uh, no date on it. <laughs> but uh, I I think you just you know. He's coming from a, a Buddhist tradition, right? Mm-hmm, and, yeah. uh, and, the, and he's kind of the stoner's guru, right? Yeah, for sure. The stoners <laughs> seem to like him a lot. Stoners and, uh, <laughs> and acid heads. Yeah. Uh, which there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know. No, in fact, this, this chapter talks about yeah, it. Yeah. We'll, we well, until they it cut it out in the, new, <laughs> the newer version, I guess. The original version. So we'll, it talks yeah, we'll about get to that. But yeah, I mean, I see his point. Um, it's kind of like the dualism that I've used. You're, if you can't abide in solitude, then you can't abide in community mm. kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, so you go to a hyperbole and extreme examples to accentuate a point. I would say that's what he's doing because he's a really smart guy, that guy. <laughs> he uh, knows a thing or two. Uh, I'm not <laughs> as smart. Uh, I, I, you know, uh, anyway, um, so yeah, yeah, there does come a point where the noise itself of daily life uh, can actually uh, the, the practice kicks in yeah. auto, on, in an automatic way is what I'm trying to say. Uh, even yeah, so well, I I know for me that well the so the first time I, I heard that quote, well, I guess I can't say the first time, but. At some point after hearing that quote, it stuck for me for whatever reason. I think part of it was I would get frustrated, like you were saying, like yeah, it has to be per. You know what I mean? Right? Yeah, the the atmosphere around me has to be perfect. What the hell is a boiler room anyway? What is that? It's like an old engine room. (laughs) Who would be in that? Who? When are you going to find yourself? Captain, the boiler's over overheating. You know, when are you going to well, be in that situation? I lived in that situation for four years. Uh, I stand corrected. I stand corrected. <laughs> but the typical person has never been. You know what I mean? Like, um, but even that, it's not. It's actually not that loud on, okay. on in a fucking submarine boiler room. Because yeah, I'm like, what century was he writing from there? <laughs> but the thing I would, um, I actually did a, a guided meditation with it. And, and this is just something I created in my own mind. I thought of the loudest thing I've encountered, a sports stadium. Mm-hmm. And I pictured myself like on the 50 yard line, attempting to meditate with all that noise yeah, yeah. going towards, you know, what, you know, for me, I, it was a football field, but you know, whatever, whatever sport right. you can imagine, or just whatever the loudest thing you've encountered is, right? Like it's going to be different for yeah. everyone. And I remember doing that meditation. I didn't do it. It wasn't like I was doing it every day, but I would do it several times a month. And for some reason that was able for me to shift. And, and I even still like, if I'm sitting in silence, 
and I, it does because the external noise does become distracting. Yeah. I'll take myself back to that, that patch of grass in a stadium and just sit there for a while and, you know, sort of like you were saying, just incorporate it into the yeah. practice. And it, I don't, I don't remember how many months it took. I mean, obviously I still use it. So it's not like it's a, I've checked it off some kind yeah. of spiritual checkbox, but it, it, that was super helpful for me was envisioning something that was loud that I right. could relate to, to sort of step into yeah. that, that place. And that obviously that practice would be different than centering prayer, but it just was something I was able to use to incorporate not incorporate yeah i guess incorporate this external noise because i i realized if you meditate often enough you're never going to find a quote-unquote perfect no yeah yeah you can't you can't set the atmosphere that you know it's again life happens in the in-between spaces the transitional spaces most of life is occurring there uh but we're always focused on the the final destinations and arrivals and, and and those are few and far between, especially as you get older, especially. Yeah. And so, and just having more responsibilities, things of that nature, you know, he yeah. mentions like having kids. Yeah, exactly. You know, things of that nature. It's like more and more stuff becomes out of your control, but yeah. still participating, you know, prayer, meditation, yeah. all these different things. And I don't know how it shifts. You know, I don't know if you can, I know it just did for me when I was younger, if I was in a crowd, uh, about 15 minutes into being in a crowd anywhere, the store, a mall, or, you know, street, mm-hmm. um, church. Uh, 15 minutes into it, I would get start getting very exhausted, very tired, irritable, wanting to get the hell out of there. And now it's it's kind of the opposite. Fifteen minutes into it, this mm. this practice takes over, and, I, and I'm operating on a different plane, and I'm aware that I'm operating on a different plane. Uh, and yeah, it's a, it's you know I've had, I really noticed it in a, a couple of years ago. I was flying several several layovers. I wasn't flying like with my arms. It's <laughs> so on an airplane. Your Going arms to, must have been tired. <laughs> yeah. Am I right? So, you know, going to different cities, different airports, you know, full day, full day of flying kind mm-hmm. of thing. And, and yeah, I started noticing uh, hyper awareness came. Um, it was exhausting in that sense. Mm. So, for example, I could feel my, my, the, the touch of my feet on the carpet mm. on the, uh, in the airport right, or on the plane. Right. And then I could f- sense the presence of the people that laid that carpet. Mm. and the people that made that carpet and the journey that carpet took to get there. And so it was all this whole, it was, that was just one thing. So there was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there was about five or six things at the same time going on. And it was a pretty crazy experience yeah. noticing the people around me, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, so, yeah. So sometimes that'll happen and it's kind of, a, a, you know, Definitely takes out of the, again, it's the power of a transitional place. It's in the folds. It's in the, it's in the liminal space. Well, uh, I think it's important too, that it wasn't like it was an intellectual exercise you were doing. No, no. It was an it experience was, yeah. you were having in the moment. Yeah. Cause I've tried to replicate that. That's another thing. Yeah. We'll have an experience like that, mm-hmm. an experience with God. And we try to institutionalize that experience in our lives and turn it into 
a practice itself or a dog or make it a part sort. of our identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and so you have that with the born again crowd for sure. Mm. And, and definitely the speaking in tongues crowd. Uh, well, you, I think you, you, you run into it in the recovery world too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. <clears throat> seen them talk exactly like yeah. a born again, recently born again person. And so the, this, this happened to me, so it needs to happen to everybody. You yeah. know? And I got scriptures to back that up. The, um, and well, going back to that airport example too, and that, that just bubbled to the surface from your years of practice. I think so. Yeah. You know, and I think that goes back to the, what we were talking about a few minutes ago about the quote unquote stick with itness of, of these practices yeah. and, and, um, and not necessarily that you have to do the exact same practice for 20 or 30 or 40 years. It's going to evolve and change. Yeah. Exactly. Or you're going to find a new practice. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and so, um, but allowing that evolution, continuing to seek whatever those practices are that feed you. Right. Because um, it, it's unpredictable. Like you couldn't have predicted the airport scenario. No, it just kind of kicked in, you know. But it's, it, it'll, it'll stick with you. Yeah. For who knows how many years. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, um, that, that's, I think that's what's so alluring about people then grabbing onto them and trying to turn them yeah. into, um, what were you saying, an identity or a, um, a practice itself of yeah. you have to do it this way, which is, is not the truth. No. Everyone's going to come to those experiences from different angles and yeah. different practices. It's, it's very diverse, very multitudinous. Uh, when I was in the, and then, yeah, short, a couple, I guess a year later when I was in the hospital two years later, uh, for two weeks in extreme pain, the same thing mm-hmm. kicked in hyper awareness of presence all around me. And, uh, you know, in the midst of physical pain, you know, in yeah. the midst of fear too, great fear that, you know, this was this month, three years ago so during the COVID middle, middle of the pandemic. Yeah. And so. You and Marsha dropped me off like at most, daycare. Most, most literally. <laughs> we, didn't even, we didn't even drop you off. We had to wheel you in. You were in so much pain. Yeah. The pain and, was so intense. And they weren't letting people in the hospital right away. So we're outside in the curb and there's a crowd of people trying to get in, waiting to get in for their emergencies. And there was there was panic in the air. For sure. There was like fear in the air. And uh, Yeah, because I think there was four or five, I don't want to say groups of people, but people waiting to get in the emergency yeah. room. One, because only you and Marsha were allowed to go into the little, I don't even know what you would call that, between the sliding yeah, again, doors. Between, yeah. <laughs> the the place to keep insects out, but, I guess. Yeah, and, yeah. And the nurse like looked at me and shook her head like, just uh, one, you're one, not coming one, in. One person, one person per one guest. <laughs> and, and while they were processing me in that glass box before you get into the hospital, uh, yeah, people were interrupting us and saying, mm-hmm. when am I going to be seen? When it, you know, there was, mm-hmm. uh, and so, yeah, it kicked in during that two weeks as well. And uh, Well, it was very interesting, too, because even the nurse, you could just see how tired she was. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, trying to trying to maintain a safe environment for, yeah. who, you know, we it was still the very much unknown of COVID. Yeah. And, so. and these people were having medical emergencies and yeah. just having to stand in. And it was June, so it was hot. Yeah, you know, it was, it was so. Over thanks for thanks for banging for sure. pots and pans. <laughs> Good yeah, on right. you. Yeah, right. Give her, pay her, damn it. <laughs> Get pay more. her what she's worth. Get more people, damn it. 
Um, so <clears throat> kind of going back to this uh, multiple practices, um, one of the, th he kind of sidesteps the question. So that's why I'm interested okay. in your, your take on it. But uh, one of the things that's presented is this idea of, of fasting. Oh yeah. Making, uh, centering prayer more. I think he says more effective is the, is the exact words he uses. Um, he says you, you shouldn't, or you shouldn't uh, do centering prayer on a full stomach, but he doesn't really address. He's like some people fasting helps them. And some, yeah. some, so I'm interested your, your experience with fasting and centering prayer and what, you know, what, what that has been for your, your, yourself. Yeah, it's just uh, I'm more uh, more in line with with uh, the vineyard churches, which is more well, what works for you. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it doesn't mean pragmatism is always right. I'm not saying that, but if it you got to go with what works with you in this situation, and uh, so yeah, I, I don't know what to. To say, I mean, times when I have fasted, it's been more, It's it hasn't been centering prayer. It's been more of an intense, uh, the shit has hit the fan, mm. send lawyers, guns, and money, uh, as the song says, and uh, help me God, right? It's okay. more of a petitionary prayer. It's more of a, even in times of lament and, and, and mourning. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so it's well, just, I haven't noticed the silent prayer being in hand because it's kind of counterintuitive to what, when you're, when you're practicing centering prayer, you're not really gauging it. You're not, mm -hmm. you're not grading it. You're not uh, saying, well, do I really entered in. And, and really, <laughs> no, you're not. You, the point is to get your finger off your pulse. Yeah. So I, so I haven't really noticed if there's. Well, it's interesting too, of that idea of, of, um, you know, prayer of mourning or prayer of lament being the thing that you've, you seem to go to yeah. during a time of fasting because once, you know, once in, if anyone's interested in two guys rambling about fasting for 60 <laughs> minutes, we, we, one of our pathways yeah. to presence last year, we covered that one, but um, it, kind, kind of being in tune with yourself of what different practices inspire yeah. within you is, is, also doesn't happen overnight and it takes this idea of practice yeah. and, and, um, and, and basically failing at certain, you know, it took me failing at fasting for me to finally come across something that informed the yeah. purpose of fasting in the first place. You know what I mean? But it took several, I, I, I don't know how more than one failed attempts at fasting. Cause yeah. I just, I had heard about fasting, so I'm going to try it. Yeah. So that's how you do it. You fail forward and, <laughs> Don't try to do what they did in, I think it was Kenya recently, where they all... I've like, heard about this. Yeah, it was a church, and like a cult kind of thing. They become a cult when it goes horribly wrong. Uh, they're a church before that. And uh, something like 20 to 30 people starve themselves. Really? Death. Yeah. Recently? Recently, yeah. This wow. last month. I believe it was Kenya. I could be wrong about yeah. the country. Uh on the continent of Africa. Yeah. Africa is a very big place. It's huge. Uh, there's lots of countries. I, yeah. so I forget which country I think it's it was incredible. Kenya, but, but anyway, uh, I have a rule then. Yeah. I just came up with it on <laughs> don't, this. Don't start yourself yeah. to death. <laughs> well that, yeah. Don't, don't kill yourself. Uh, 
The other is whatever keeps your damn stomach quiet. So if you're, because it sucks if you're in a a centering prayer situation or a meditative, you're you're in a meditation session with people. Uh, anything that involves silence and your stomach is just like there's a raptor, a baby raptors inside there. It's, it sucks. The other one is uh, uh, during the living school, they had silent lunches. Mm. And so here I am, you know, putting my salad on my plate and there's croutons with salad. I was like, uh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be crunching on that in a silent lunch. So everybody hears my, my crunching. So anyway, those are some rules there. Uh, <laughs> those are David Morrison's rules to, yeah. to eating and, and silence. So if, you're, so if you're trying to do any kind of prayerful silence, a meditative silence, whatever your bent is, I'm not much of a meditator as much as I... I just call it prayer mm. for me. But um, yeah, if you're trying to engage in silence, maybe your stomach not growling super loud to tell you to have a conversation with you is a good thing. <laughs> so, um, and we could, this, this is more for an experimental thing for me, but one of the things he talks about and one of the questions is about this idea of angels and demons. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I've never asked you or we've never talked about sort of your idea in and around angels and demons. And, you know, I, I think we've talked about it briefly in the sense of uh, some of the gospel stories where Jesus uh, talks about casting out demons. Right. I think it's come up in some of our uh, conversations. Um, but I'm, I'm just sort of interested in your take as far as those two things in this idea of spirituality. Yeah, well, I come from a background where there was a demon behind every bush. So, you know, I come from the era... And the evangelical or the Catholic? The evangelical, yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, when I was a teenager, there were very popular books called This Present Darkness. And it was the spiritual warfare. It's a mm. big, big thing. It's a big theme that preachers like to talk about. And uh, and then, you know, and then, and then it kind of devolved into... Whoever their political enemies are, they're demon possessed right, yeah, yeah. and they're pedophiles now. <laughs> That's where it kind of got us. And so now you're you're engaging in total fascism. Uh, well, you're either if you're on one side, you're a pedophile, and if you're on the other side, you're a Nazi. There's yeah. No, there's yeah. no in between. Yeah. There's only those two uh, quote unquote evils. Yeah. So it's well, they are fascists. <laughs> <laughs> they have become religious fascists. Uh, they're 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 successfully banning books. You're a fascist in my in my book. Mm. If you're, if you're, and they banned that book too. So my book. So yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah. So, so that can be, I, I would say that is just as distracting as your own thoughts. Mm. So when you engage in that kind of stuff, it, it becomes, uh, you know, angel, angelology. Do you, uh, do you, so you feel, demonology. The, you feel the same way about both sides of that angels and demons. Yeah, because they're the same thing, except for on, yeah, yeah, yeah. ones you know in in the mythology, some are servants of God, messengers of God. Mm-hmm. The others used to be, and, yeah, and then they cast, got cast yeah out. they got evicted. <laughs> uh, they didn't got, pay their rent on time. Yeah, so uh, yeah, uh, and then yeah, so that stuff's very distracting. And but there is that is a concern if you're listening and to this and you're. And you're coming from that kind of background. There, they do instill those churches instill a fear in you that if you 
engage in any kind of silence, that's the devil's going to fill that silence. Mm. It comes from the Protestant work ethic, idle hands are the devil's tools, mm -hmm. right, that kind right. of thing, uh, which is really just a, it's just the, that compulsive capitalism is all that is. Well, and the funny thing too, in the context of this, of what um, Keating was talking about, was that this time and centering prayer is so intimate between you and God that he kind of, he's kind of saying the same thing in a different way. That right. The angel and demon thing is, is yeah. it's, it's a non-factor because you're, you're having such an intimate time yeah. with God. So it, it was just, it, I had never seen anything phrased like that. Or yeah, that was that interesting. Where, yeah. So he was, yeah, he was saying angels and demons can only engage you at the level of your thoughts and emotions. Mm. But, uh, but when you go deeper beyond thoughts and emotions, which the cloud of unknowing calls love, mm. that's beyond rationality, beyond thoughts and beyond your feelings, physical or emotional. So there, there's this other force called love that's beyond those and angels and demons don't understand that. Mm. Uh, there used to be a rudimentary saying in, in my in uh, the charismatic days uh when you speak in tongues the devil can't understand you uh, so, uh, there you go and they meant that literally <laughs> yeah right yeah, so it's, uh but but it's kind of the same it's a similar same idea yeah. in some ways uh but yeah i would i would say you could waste a lot of time uh in that kind of stuff i think i think there's such thing as the contemplative imagination Mm. And I think it's valuable, mm -hmm. but, but if you over identify with it, uh, then you get into, you can get into all kinds of nonsense and foolishness. And if that's what you need to do, do it, you know, mm -hmm. go, go, go with it till it burns you out, I guess. Well, till it burns out itself. Well, there's definitely a time and place for all things, I think within the spiritual realm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, we, you and I talk about it a lot, but just this continuing evolution, Yeah, you know, and, and just different seasons for, for different things. Um, and you, because you spoke about it, that was, that was one of the things, one of the, I think, important things of this, of this particular chapter with, because it was talking about thoughts was, um, well, what about if a useful thought comes? What about if a right. healing thought comes? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it, it made me think of our conversation a couple of weeks ago about, um, the creative process you've gone through the last right. couple of years with writing books. And so I know you've stuff has come to you while we've sat in silence. And so right. how have you navigated that as far as once again, not identifying too much with those things that are right. coming to you and seeing that it has opened up something creative within you yeah. um, during that process. So that, that was one of the things that came to mind while reading this chapter. Yeah. So you're doing your 20 minutes of silence, just like he describes most people's experience is you're you're bobbing up and down. You're you're going down, mm. you know, deep, right, right, right. And then yeah. you're surfacing, and yeah. then and you're just and sometimes you just bob on the surface the whole twenty minutes, <laughs> and you and you call it the session. It That's good. the end. Yeah. 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 yeah, and you go on with your life. Uh, so to accept that pro as the process, first of all, th so then you're not saying, well, that was a really terrible time. Mm. Or that was really. Uh, we've shot God a zero this time. We used to say that. God, you know. God hates us. No one prayed out loud at this prayer meeting. I, I used to be very upset about that. You know, uh -huh. uh, 
to the point where I'd passive aggressively pray in a meet. So if you have like 30, 40 people and nobody's praying out loud, you know, nobody's mm -hmm. voicing any prayers. So I would say, well, God, since I'm the only one who wants to talk to you, I would, I, I think <laughs> I said that one time. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's part of the growing up process, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, and uh, I apologize to anybody I offended back then. Uh, if, if there's a specific offense, I'll, I'll try to make it right uh, with you. Uh, not that they're listening. Yeah, <laughs> no, they see yeah people from back then are definitely not listening. <laughs> yeah, to they're this. like, no, screw <laughs> that. Because we are the demons. <laughs> screw that guy. So, so yeah. So, the, and in my ex particular experience, the general, the general usual experience of the twenty-minute centering prayer is the beginning. My thoughts are all over the place, mm -hmm. and so yeah, I might get a little verse in my head. I'll rehearse it so that I can, you know, a couple of times in my head mm. so that I can, uh, tuck it away Yeah. so that I'll remember it later mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. And then, and then go back to my sacred word mm -hmm. or sometimes I'll use the, the little, in this case it was haiku poetry. So mm -hmm. it's just three little lines, get a rhythm going. And that mm -hmm. becomes the, the sacred word, if you will. Mm -hmm. And, uh, to you re know, redirect. Yeah, you. and again, you're operating on two different planes. So you might be having these thoughts mm -hmm. of something creative. You might be having thoughts, painful thoughts. You might be having disturbing thoughts on one hand, or you might be having nonsensical, you know, all over your schedule, your bank account, whatever the things that you have to do. But on the deeper level, there's you're operating on the other plane too, mm -hmm. and so that's happening. And uh, and to accept that, that's usually the way. It, it goes, you know, so. Well, and, and I think that's a beautiful thing to point out is that it's not, it can become very black and white, right? But but to be able to operate in both of those and, and be okay with the gray, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and I've shared on, I've shared this with in different contexts, but, you know, I've had very healing experiences happen during silence, you yeah. know, and, and, I could have knocked it away and voided it, right? But something more significant was occurring and, yeah. and you know, and letting it happen on a certain level, you know, I think this comes back to that idea of just practicing these uh not principles, practicing these different disciplines will inform you of what, you know, kind of what you're saying of of you're actually on two two different um, planes. Yeah. And it's okay to interact with both of them. <laughs> exactly. You don't here, have to. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Here's what he says about it. He says, uh, this is Thomas Keating in that chapter. You may be painfully aware of unwanted thoughts going by and wish they were not there. Right. Nobody likes painful thoughts yeah. and prayers, disturbing thoughts, uh, not painful prayer, uh, painful feelings. Uh, at the same time, you may be aware that something inside you is absorbed by a mysterious presence that is completely intangible, refined, and delicate. The reason is that your psyche is developing the expanded awareness that I spoke of before, which is able to attend to two planes of reality at the same time, one superficial and the other profound. So I think that's a human experience. Uh, and so, yeah, to just accept that. And because you're not going to step off to the other plane, the profound plane and live there forever because you've just turned that into an idea and you're just addicted and over-identified to that idea and the feelings that come with it. Mm -hmm. And so, 
yeah, so if there's something where you see a vision and you see, you know, Mary, you see all of heaven and, okay, observe it, witness it, acknowledge it, and then uh, don't identify with it. Don't, mm -hmm. don't retain it. It doesn't mean that you're Allow this to, or that. It doesn't mean... Allow it to be that boat on the river exactly. we talked about earlier. And you're not trying to stop the boats. You're not jumping out in the middle of the river to try to stop an ocean liner from coming down, you know, mm -hmm. um, and you're not. Yeah. So, um, I have a couple of the things I want to bring up, but they're kind of yeah. almost afterthoughts. I feel like, um, is there anything else from this chapter from, uh, the thoughts that come, uh, what <laughs> one of the funny things he said was how our thoughts persecute us, which I thought was a very over the top uh, description of it. <laughs> um, but I didn't know if there was was anything else uh, that sort of hit you in a profound way uh, within this chapter. Uh, he does say, "Don't take prayer so seriously." That was one of the yeah, be and I wish I somebody would have told me that. Yeah. You know, when I was a teenager, especially, uh, you know. Just, kind of relaxed. I want to read, I just want to read the quote because I think it's, it's very, it's very powerful because I, I'm of the ilk where I need to take stuff more seriously usually, uh, yeah. <laughs> usually too lackadaisical. Um, okay. You should not take prayer too seriously. There's something playful about God you only have to look at a penguin or certain other animals to realize that he likes to play little jokes on creatures. The playfulness of God is a profound part of reality. It warns us not to take ourselves too seriously to realize that God created us with a certain sense of humor. Yeah. You know, and I think you and I, I mean, that's part of the reason you and I have become such close friends. I think we have very similar yeah. senses of humor. The jackass um, in me recognize the jackass yeah. in you. Um, so it's funny for you to say, like, uh, in your earlier life, how serious you oh, were yeah, about yeah. prayer. And, and God, I'm sorry. I'm the only one who wants to talk to you. You know, saying shit yeah. like that. Well, and, and the stories you've shared, I don't know if we, I think you've shared it on the podcast, but how serious you thought I was when we first started meeting at, yeah, at Spirit I, Winds. I, I didn't the, know you were a jokester. Shop. Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, that that line really resonated with me. Yeah. Um, because it, it, it validates me being a fucking silly goose, as the kids say. Um, <laughs> Why? But, I've never met a goose that was silly. Gooses, goose geese are terrifying, mad. Yeah. Actually, that is a funny <laughs> saying. Uh, They're coming after you. But yeah, so so you know, so for the people out, I, you know, and once again, it, it who knows who's listening, but it's like, yes, prayer is serious and should be engaged with, and don't take it too seriously because you're yeah. just gonna. You're gonna burn yourself out, or you're gonna, you know, you're you're gonna have encounters. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, they're gonna help you grow. Um, but there is a silliness and a and a and a sense of humor to to this whole thing called creation. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there really is, and you know, and and this idea in, in the Hebrew cosmology, you know, the Creator works on those six days. I think you know, in uh, the seventh was it the seventh. Yes. He rests. Uh, and so he's been resty, you know, uh, all this time. It's almost as if mm. the rest is all play now, you know. Interesting. Uh, in a lot of ways. And then we, we acknowledged it, right? We've talked about this before, that most of our engagement on, on the serious stuff in life, 
that mo most of us consider serious. Yeah, right, right. Uh, adulting up issues and all that. We're we're really just playing a Dungeons and Dragons oh, cosplay. Yeah, we're just we're just avatars <laughs> in the roles that we have to play. Yeah. Anyway, and then again, I've been thinking about this. We've been singing this song. Uh, I haven't. I was gonna. I tried looking into it, but couldn't find. It. I don't know if other cultures and other languages have this song, but in the English language, uh, that you're just rowing your boat gently down the stream. And life is is but a, a dream. dream. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so, yeah. you know, after you've been dead a hundred years, uh, it really is a dreamlike thing. Well, what was your life? Well, nobody knows anymore. Yeah. Uh, and so, there's there's that quality. And that it's, doesn't it's, have to be a depressing a thing. It could be a liberating thing. For sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I've shared this on the my the first time I did a, a multiple day meditation retreat. One of my my dear friends and mentors had just passed and it dawned two things dawned on me it was like oh he's like people are missing him but he's gone like yeah he's never going to be encountered again and at the same time it's like oh i've been because i was thinking about stuff in the quote-unquote outside world and it's like oh like all, life is continuing on and no one cares that i'm at this meditation retreat no you know and, and a similar thing like People did care that he passed away. You know, I'm, I'm overstating it, but right. life goes on. No one cares that this person has passed. You know, like yeah. the world didn't stop. The world has continued yeah. on the same as it was in a way. It's it's different because we each one of us makes it a little bit different. But to your point, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's it's a dream. Well, we tend to take our like our jobs and our careers very seriously because we show up to them. Every we spend, day. Well, we spend, yeah, we spend a lot of our waking <laughs> yeah. time at these places. But if, and again, I say this as a liberating perspective, not a, not a depressing perspective, but maybe, you know, maybe you have to go through the depressing aspect of it before you can hit the, the liberation. Well, and, and, and you'll go but, back to the depressing part of it too. Yeah. Yeah. You'll <laughs> bob in and out. It'll, yeah. It'll circle back around at times. But if you were to die today, any of us, uh, your job's going to replace you and that's oh, yeah, it. Yeah, Boom. Yeah. They clear your desk out in a paper, in a cardboard box. Yeah. And, and that's what they think of you. Yeah. That's what the impact that you have. Well, it's funny. So I think about that at times, like you're saying is I've worked for multiple different companies. All of them still exist since I've left. <laughs> that none of them have gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they didn't go exactly because I left, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's once again, one of those liberating things of like, Oh, I don't, I don't have to be here. It's not all about me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so the last thing I wanted to touch on, and lastly, because it's it's not that big of a of a question, but I do think it's a timely question. So we talked about earlier that in the the original book, there's this question about a drug oh, yeah, yeah. helping you have a <laughs> mystical experience, right? right Mind altering drugs. Yeah, they, specifically in the book they say LSD, but also. Um, like we talked about mushrooms, uh, psilocybin, if you want to be technical, but m basically magic mushrooms. Um, people have these mystical ex or can have these mystical experiences on it. Um, and so I'm just interested your insight. You know, I'll share my insight after. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm interested your insight about that, that type of approach to having right. a mystical experience. Yeah, I have no experience in it. I've never experimented with mood altering drugs or, or mind altering. So, but I have talked to people who mm. 
Uh, I, I know of one person who uh, was had a chronic illness, and he, I believe it was mushrooms, he took that mm-hmm. and had an experience of his own death, basically. It was terrifying. I think he said he was on the kitchen floor, falling forever or something like that. I might be adding to that. Uh, and, that makes it for a good story. Uh, and, and when he came to the fear of dying and death, uh, lost its mm-hmm. intense power over him. And he seems to be, uh, he, he kind of lives in the yoga world now. Mm. And, and, seems and, and you're not saying that as a negative thing. That's no, just, no. That's yeah. Where he's at. That's his practice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so, and that's helped his chronic health issues mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say. Uh, and yeah, and he seems to be very much an awakened, alive mm-hmm. person. Uh, so yeah, I, I just don't know. Uh, you know, as far as my own experience is concerned, uh, I know people have taken peyote uh, to enhance, you know, very long, long sessions in a sweat lodge or a ceremony, a First Nations ceremony kind of thing. And uh, and it's an important aspect of the mm-hmm. ceremony. Right. It's basically communion. Uh, and so, yeah. So I, other than that, I don't, uh, you know, I don't have a personal experience yeah. with that. Well, I, so I, I had a personal experience with uh, psilocybin when I was a kid, effectively, mm-hmm. and had a really, really, really bad experience with it. And so maybe 10 years ago, so just for the context of this psilocybin in many states have be, has become decriminalized and and in some states is allowed for therapeutic um research yeah. but also marijuana um, as well yeah so. and um there's been a lot of positive uh i guess healing would be a good word um for people coming back from war and oh so PTSD, PTSD type treatments and yeah. um, being able to be overcome with, um, and I, I couldn't tell you the exact, uh, I've read some of the um, research, but I couldn't quote it to you right now. So there, there is some positive stuff there. And so because I had such a bad experience with it, I wanted to see if I could experience it again. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would read these different things. I would listen right. to podcasts and it got to the point where I basically made a list of pros mm-hmm. of stepping into this type of therapy. Um, Cause you usually do it with, with the therapist. Yeah. They, they give you the, the amounts of, of psilocybin, blah, blah, blah. It's very much guided, you know, and I've talked to someone that experienced, that was another part is that someone very close to me has experienced it. And so I wanted to know their experience and all the pros that I could list. Uh, and I'm not exaggerating. I have experienced in meditation mm-hmm. or sitting in silence. Yeah. And so it was, you know, it, it was one of those things where I had to look at, okay, am I trying to get this easy button to bypass? Yeah. When I know I can just sit in silence and these other practices and have the same experiences, yeah. you yeah. know, and, and, um, and I, you know, I'm not someone that has gone to war and has huge PTSD, um, you know, so I'm not coming from that perspective either. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like you, I don't, I don't know. I think meditation and centering prayer and prayer, you can have these same experiences. Yeah. Um, actually, I don't think, I know you can. Yeah. I've, I've had yeah. conversations with people that 
um, that have and, and, you know, very similar to the, the example you gave of them having this full integrated, you know, life after experiencing right. not that. Um, anyways, I just, I thought it was, it caught my attention only because it was in the original book right. and then they cut it out of the, the updated book. Yeah. And, uh, otherwise I don't think it would have, it would have been that all that interesting to me. So, and I do think it's timely now with, um, some of these things becoming yeah, yeah. legalized or decriminalized. Yeah. Marijuana. And I, I also think the point is to get, is to experience the present moment and therefore be truly alive. That's, that's kind of the. I wouldn't say, I, I, in centering prayer and contemplative prayer and searching God, I wouldn't say that's the point, that's the goal, mm. but it's definitely an outflow. Correct. It's definitely yeah. a result of, of you're in the present moment and you're, and you're, uh, and you're fully alive, you know? Mm. And, and so I've seen it with, uh, uh, extreme sports people. Mm. They, the same thing, you know, they're on right. a, so. Or even just sports. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've read about, you know, getting in the flow or getting in the zone, they call it. So, so, so mystics, Christian mystics and meditators of all the other traditions, uh, other religions. The, our point is we're saying you don't need to be dependent on the means of it. Mm -hmm. So, so you can arrive without traveling as, as the Tao says. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, it's very true. So, so you don't have to go to Mount Everest and do that shit. Uh, in fact, you probably shouldn't go. Uh, that's a red flag for me anyway. Anybody that wants to go up to Mount Everest, there's something profoundly wrong with them now that they should just work out with a therapist uh, or just become a better human being. Uh, anyway. Uh, well, usually going to Everest isn't a spiritual experience. It's a, it's a competitive. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Competitive yeah. Thing that we, so that we so what I'm saying is, is you don't have to drive 120 miles an hour on a, on a dirt mm. bike in the dark and, and be dependent on that to right. now that might've been the initial trigger for you mm -hmm. to enter into that space. And so drugs, the same thing, cause they're unpredictable, right? Mm -hmm. So you can have a bad trip. You can have a, a good, you know, I've seen the, the Woodstock movie enough where they're bringing, there's some bad acid out there. <laughs> and they were all, you know, yeah, yeah. you don't have to go through all that and do all that um, or be incapacitated for mm -hmm. several hours or whatever it takes, you know? So, so yeah. Beautiful, man. You Here have anything else? No, it's June and We're, it's not even a hundred degrees yet. So it's, it's incredible. Weird. We Very haven't strange. had one day, right? No, we have not hit a hundred degrees Fahrenheit. Well, we have hit... 58 minutes of this podcast oh well, here we are then <laughs> uh <laughs> thank you mr morrison we've extended our welcome <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly appreciate uh appreciate you and appreciate uh, you too and everyone welcome, listening welcome back from colorado uh thank you everyone for listening uh thank you to danny west he does the editing and sound engineering uh thank you to jacob nedia that's what you hear in the background with monk drums and um go dreamwalkerway.com and pick up a copy of Desolate Beauty. We'd appreciate that. And until next week, have a good one.